Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about common MyFitnessPal mistakes. And these aren't just going to be tracking mistakes, but more so just going into the app. And the reason why I'm primarily going to be talking about this app is it's an app that I've been using since 2014. And I think it's one of the most popular, if not the most popular tracking app out there. So if you are brand new to tracking macros, odds are you've probably gravitated towards MyFitnessPal. And we're going to go over some common issues that this app has and things that you want to ignore if you want to use this app. Because although this app has many cons, I also think that the pros outweigh it. And we can kind of go into the pros as I also name some of the cons. So the first mistake that I see with MyFitnessPal is people are trying to figure out their macros or how many calories that they should eat from MyFitnessPal. So I believe, and it's been forever since I downloaded the app since I've had it on my phone for years, but I believe you can like put in your height and weight, your age, activity level, and then your goal. That's honestly not enough information to figure out where your calories need to be, but from there, MyFitnessPal will spit out a calorie number and it's usually not the best macro breakdown either and then usually this number is too low calorie honestly a big issue that i had with my fitness pal when i first started using it in 2014 was i thought i should be eating you know 12 1400 calories a day and that was very far from the truth because at the time i was a college student i was walking around 10 to 15,000 steps a day on campus. I had a very active job. I was a gymnastics coach, so I was lifting kids (laughs) multiple hours a day. And then I was also working out in the gym. So that was not enough calories for me. And when I first started tracking, which side note, guys, I'm going to open a can of Diet Coke here. If you know me, we drink regular Diet Coke, not Coke Zero. I hate Coke Zero. And don't even talk about Pepsi. That's just disgusting. Tell me what your favorite drink is. DM me on Instagram at Nicole Fairy Fitness since Beyond the Bikini doesn't have a Instagram. But anyway, the low calorie issue is a huge one because I think so many women start off by getting their calories from my fitness pal and then when they come to me for coaching or if they hire another coach, they are terrified to eat more than that twelve to 1,400 calories. And I don't know what it is with my fitness pal. That seems to be its happy zone for females. And then for males, I've even seen numbers that are pretty low, around sixteen to 1,800 calories. And for most males, that's pretty low, especially if they're really tall. And I've had you know, six-foot male that's like 200 pounds, and then their like, tracking app says that they should only eat 1,700 calories, which... That is incredibly low. So that's a big issue with the low calories. Um, 
I, I don't recommend eating around 10 times your body weight. Heck, I don't even really recommend eating around 12 times your body weight, especially if your goal is to build muscle. In a recent episode with Aram, which you can see that a few episodes back, um, it was a guest that I had on four weeks to the beach. We do go into specifics with low calorie dieting. So I highly recommend that you go check out that podcast if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, low calories is a huge issue. Another issue, I think, and this is more so for me coming from a disordered eating past, and that is the ability to share your diary with other people. I used to get really weird about this. Like I would check out what other people are eating and then kind of compare to, oh, well, if they're eating that and they look this way, maybe if I eat the same way, then I'll look like them. And this kind of ties into when I see full days of eating and then, or like I'm on TikTok and scrolling and people will be like, oh, drop the workout routine, drop, you know, what you eat in a day. And it's like, hey, like we are all individuals. And if you just try to copy and paste what someone else is doing, it's, probably not going to work for you. Like 95% probably is not going to work for you. And I think that's a problem with my fitness pal. It's like, what is the point of sharing your journal with someone else? I can see the value in sharing your like diary journal with your coach um, and or your uh, dietitian or something like that, depending on what phase you're in in your fitness journey. But I really don't think it's helpful to like check out other people's diaries because I think that it can lead to comparison, which is just not healthy. The other issue that I see is there are, um, it's like this weird algorithm where you can connect your Apple Watch or Garmin or Fitbit to subtract calories that you burn from your workout from your calorie recommendation. And this kind of feature would happen automatically I have never used the paid version of my fitness pal, which is kind of crazy because I've used this app for years and years and I've never paid for it. I've only used a free version and the free version, I think you automatically have to kind of go into the settings and change that, but you should absolutely not be eating back the calories that you burn in a workout. First off, your activity watch thing that you burnt 400 calories in your workout session it's lying. It's not correct. Nothing that is on your wrist is going to be correct when it comes to calorie burn. That is just going to be an estimate unless you were to do like a full blown, like wearing a mask and doing the whole testing on your armor and all that stuff, which nobody's doing that. So I digress. Um, your watch, we need to get away from that. So the other issue too, is I think that that ties into the whole if I move more, I get to eat more. Or if I eat this cookie, I can burn off this cookie. And I think that that's a very unhealthy mindset to have around food. And I do think my fitness pal can promote that. So I'm not a huge fan of that feature. Would definitely recommend turning that off. Another issue I see is my fitness pal will limit other nutrients. So sometimes you'll find that it will like flag certain things and it will look kind of alarming in the app. It might look like bright red if you're going over on cholesterol or sugar or vitamin C, like all these different nutrients. I think that that can be alarming to a person that doesn't have a whole lot of education with nutrition. And for example, like sugar, 
my fitness pal has yet to update to where it is counting um, natural sugars and then added sugars, which if you are now looking at a nutrition label, they should be updated. They honestly should have been updated last year, but not all these companies have done that. But you will see a new nutrition label. And I'm looking at my Diet Coke right now, which is, there's like nothing in this other than like sodium. But anyway, it says total sugars, I-N-C-L, and then added sugar. So I-N-C-L would be included, like naturally occurring. And then added sugars is something that they add on to that. My problem with my fitness pal and sugar is it will be like, oh, you're over your sugar. And this person only had like bananas and an apple and there's some sugar and like maybe some dairy products that they use. That's a problem because then that person's going to be super stressed out about their sugar intake. Yeah, it's not taking account. Oh, they had fiber. They ate enough protein. So tend to, I would kind of push you to ignore that um, recommendation. And then the same goes for sodium. Sodium really isn't a nutrient of concern if you're not someone who's struggling with high blood pressure. So if that's you, which I hope that's you, if it's not, then disregard what I'm about to say, but you can have a high amount of sodium, especially if you are an athlete, if you are sweating a lot, and if you live in a warm climate. Living in Florida, if I were to only eat 2,000 milligrams of sodium a day, I'm telling you right now, I'd be so dizzy and have a lot of lightheadedness. And I probably consume around three and a half to 4,000 milligrams of sodium. And there's no issue with it. So you'll see that limit as well on my fitness pal, which I'm not a huge fan of either. So try to ignore some of those other nutrient limitations. And if you can turn off that feature, again, I don't have the paid version, but if you can turn off that feature, I would highly recommend that. The next issue is going to be MyFitnessPal has a huge database of food and anyone can input a food in the MyFitnessPal database. Kind of cool, but <laughs> the other issue with that is a lot of these inputs can be incorrect. For example, I had a client tracking a bowl of oatmeal and the one that she was tracking on MyFitnessPal was one where it was like subtracting the fiber calories. So she thought that her 148 calorie oatmeal was really like 90 calories when you subtracted the fiber. So on average, it was really skewing her macros. Now you need to double check, you know, simply guess and check whenever you're tracking um, a product because there's so many times, it like makes me laugh, but there's so many times where I, I pull up like a raw apple and then I look at this input of it and it shows gram of fat, three. And I'm like, apples don't have like fat in them. That doesn't make any sense. So my recommendation for your produce would be searching USAD and then the state that it's in. So for example, USAD raw Fiji apple, and that should get you to where you need to be. 
You can also look for the blue check mark on my fitness pal, which that's supposed to be verified. You see that more so of restaurants. So if I were like to go through Starbucks drive through and order a almond milk latte, I would want to track the one that has that blue check mark versus like someone else's almond milk latte that they saved in the database might have 20 grams more of sugar and 10 more fat because they put in all these syrups and all that stuff that you didn't have in your almond milk latte. So just really double check and use common sense, okay? For example, going back to that apple, apples don't have fat in them. So if you see something that shows that it has fat, that this food clearly doesn't have fat in it, don't use that as like something consistently. Um, yeah, so... That is like the database is really cool in a way where you can really go to any restaurant and find their nutritionals on my fitness pal. But because the app is so big and you have lots of people who are inputting all these different foods and sometimes they are tweaking the nutritional profile to their dietary needs or where it like fits the kind of diet they're following. So for example, maybe this person is keto, so they are subtracting fiber calories or maybe they are changing like the serving size like really anyone can skew accurate nutrition labels and you have to be aware of that and um, if you don't know what's in your food like really take time to look at proper nutrition labels and um, you can always look up USAD anything produce related would be um my biggest tip. And if you have like a staple and you're like really getting stressed out about the accuracy of what that food contains, and let's say it's like a bag of rice and there's no nutritional label on it, I would just recommend Googling it. And um, things like white rice, brown rice, like whole foods, these are things that are going to be pretty straight across the board. Like if it's a single ingredient food and it's a whole food, their nutritional information is going to be pretty uniform. Okay. I feel like I talked a lot about that. We're going to take another sip of our Diet Coke. And moving on to the other issue. Using my fitness pal as a crutch and not a tool. And this is more so for people who have kind of type A obsessive tendencies. And this is the person that can't take a day off of my fitness pal. <laughs> My fitness, I can't talk. My fitness pal. <laughs> Jeez, how many times can I say that? If someone is drinking and you count how many times I say my fitness pal, you are going to be so drunk at the end of this podcast. Okay, so with freak, with my fitness pal, it can be a crutch for a lot of people because it keeps a rolling streak and little bits of incentives and motivation, like keeping track of how many days you've been tracking. You can share your MyFitnessPal streak with your friends. Like people really love that stuff. And I think that, um, especially really like number-based people, they'll see that their streak is like a hundred days in a row. And then they're wanting to get to, okay, I need a track for like 150. I need to make it 200. I need to make it 365. And then they can never put their app down. Or if there's some sort of glitch in the system, which I guess this would be another con, is sometimes my fitness pal, like any app, like any piece of technology, will have glitches, freezes, doesn't work for the day, and people will have full-blown meltdowns. And that's a sign that you are using my fitness pal as a crutch 
and you're not actually learning true moderation and portion size and what's in your food outside of this app. Because the goal shouldn't be to use your app each and every single day for the rest of your life. For a lot of my lifestyle clients, I encourage them to take days off from tracking. I encourage them to take breaks on their vacation, for major holidays, for maybe their birthday, for maybe um, a cool weekend trip. I do encourage them to take a break from their app, especially if they've been putting in the work here for you know two, three, six months, and they've made tons of progress, and they have a great relationship with food now, and they understand moderation and portion sizes. Like That person does not need to be obsessing over their app and their stupid MyFitnessPal streak. So you need to learn how to track and when that's appropriate, and then learn when you need to take breaks here and there. And I'm not trying to say if you track all the time that you have a problem. I'm more so wanting you to reassess if the thought of not tracking or not having that tracking app is bringing a lot of anxiety and stress. Then that's something that we need to work on and address and try to really figure out why. And a lot of it comes down to feeling out of control, which that's a very valid feeling to have. But that means we also need to learn more about maybe estimating our portion sizes and having a bit more, bit, bit more, <laughs> I just completely changed my accent, and having a bit more estimation. And you're going to feel more confident with like getting Chipotle and not tracking it or making your breakfast without tracking everything to the gram or to the ounce. I'm going to let my cat in because he just scratched on the door. I don't know if you guys have seen my Instagram lately, but I now have a zoo of two tiny dogs and a cat. It's a lot. <laughs> All right, kind of um, wrapping this podcast up. So my fitness pal, I think it can be great because it's going to hold on to your information for years on end. It's really cool. I'm able to go back and see what I did for previous preps, which is really insightful because I can use that for like peak weeks or... Um, just kind of tracking like how my composition looked at like a certain calorie range. Um, I think it's also great because it's, it, for the most part, I would say it's user-friendly. I I know some people would say, no, the app sucks. It's not user-friendly. But for me, I find it super user-friendly because you can just scan really any food product and bring up the nutrition information right away. Also, if you're unable to do that, you can input really any food and you can also input recipes, which I think is a great feature for anyone who is wanting to have um, more more variety. And that's also helpful if you're cooking for your family. I also think MyFitnessPal is just nice because there's so many features that you can customize for yourself. So you can customize, you know, the whole exercise thing. You can customize how many meals you normally have. You can customize, I think, your water intake and your other nutrients. You can customize your goals on there. So there's so many things that you can customize, which make the app really nice. And then if you're pairing that with like a, a solid coaching program, then that's like super awesome. You're going to feel like you have a ton of organization. I also think this app is perfect for the person who loves organization and who loves data. So I would highly recommend this app for anyone who thrives with that kind of um, organization. And if you're someone that does feel unorganized, I find that this app is like fantastic for that. 
So I hope that today's episode was helpful for you guys. If it was, don't forget to share it here on Instagram and tag me at Nicole Fairy Fitness. And if you have a second, if you can give this podcast a rating and review here on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys in the next episode.